The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm ready to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. I need to get into the Word this morning. The, the, the topic that we're going to uh, discuss and, and, and celebrate in the Scripture is one of great importance for me personally, and I think for all believers in the season that we're in. I mean, uh, do you feel like the days that we're in are, are a little bit odd? I mean, I do. In fact, it's very difficult for me to not go completely political in any conversation that we have. I could go home and my wife could say, how is, is the spaghetti, you know? And I could say, did you hear what Joe Biden said today? You know, I mean, that, it's just like, how does that work? How can you not disconnect those things? It, it's gotten to be such a big part of, of, of our, our current events that it's, it's consuming. Now, that's something that I think, you know, maturity and wisdom will, will recognize, but more than just recognizing it, we need to, to respond to it. I mean, it, there needs to be an appropriate, godly, biblical response to the days that we're in, uh, or, or else it's going to be very difficult uh, to, to have progress and to move forward and, and for there to be uh, uh, good things that come uh, from situations or circumstances that may be uh, uh, unstable. And right now, I believe things are unstable, and as they stabilize, uh, they'll be less uh, consuming in the thoughts and the mind of what all's going on. So I want to give you a few things in the Word here that we're going to find. I mean, I always encourage note-taking. If you need to hijack a pen or paper from a neighbor, you know, and you're socially distancing, and you still have your little communion cup, you can just throw your communion cup at them and, and call it social distancing. But if you need to borrow something from a neighbor, feel free to ask. If, if you're not a note-taker, I understand that. But I want to encourage you to, to engage with me in the Word because I'm trusting that God's going to do something great for all of us. Here's a few things we're going to find. Uh, one thing that we're going to find is, is how high Jesus sets the bar for your life. How high he sets the bar for my life. I mean, there's something that I want us to see in the Scripture, and we're going to kick off with this because I, I think it's really important. I mean, culturally, we've become very comfortable with a very low bar. Uh, I mean, probably one of the most common sayings that, that we could, you know, start and finish for one another would be this idea that, that nobody's perfect, right? I mean, that has been a statement that I've, most of us have used or we've heard it used. I mean, really and truly, we, we don't generally set the bar very high. We have expectations for things to, to underwhelm, so to speak. And, and we're going to see where Jesus sets the bar, and I think that's very important. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is, is how to keep from losing your mind. And you might look over at your neighbor and say, too late, you know, and it's a little late for that. But how to keep from losing your mind. Now, I mean, you could make all kinds of jokes here, and trust me, I'm tempted to, but I want to offer this to you seriously. I mean, I really feel like there's an attempt to disturb or disrupt my, my thoughts right now. That there's really an, an onslaught against sanity and reason and all of those things. And, and, and obviously I could, you know, insert political commentary here, but I don't think that would be effective. I want to take a, a kingdom perspective when we address this. How to keep from losing your mind. There's an attempt to touch your thoughts. 
Now, here's a third thing that we're going to find as we get into the Word, and that is uh, uh, how we need to view problems. I mean, you feel like there are problems in the world today? I know there are. I mean, we've got problems on every level. I mean, problems worldwide, problems in our nation, problems in our state, problems in our city, you know, and then you can, you can begin to, to even shrink it, your, your community, further and further as it continues to isolate. Problems in, in the church community, problems in our own homes or our extended families, you know, and, and we're, we're dealing with these things. There's, there's a perspective that God is looking for us to adopt, and I think it's really important that we adopt it. And I'll, I'll share with you my thoughts more on that when we get to that point. But I want to get into the word. Let's just start off with where Jesus sets the bar for your life. I mean, where Jesus sets the bar for you and for me, I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Now we quote this passage on occasion, so for some of you it's going to sound familiar, but Jesus is preaching and he preaches a message and then you know, against all rules and regulations of modern-day preaching, he, he makes this statement. And I mean, this is a, a one-way ticket to, to having uh, people really not like listening to you preach. Rather than preaching a message and then lowering the bar, you know, preaching a message of, of what it means to live a godly life and, and what it takes and then just saying, but you know, it's hard, nobody's perfect, and, 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 and it's okay. He preaches this message of a godly life, and then he, he ends his message with this statement, and I think you'll see he raises the bar pretty high. Matthew 5, 48, he says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can you set the bar any higher for your life than that? I mean, perfect. He didn't even say good, right? I mean, it'd be easier for me to wrap my mind around good, where it's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you these things so that you'll be better right? So maybe you just won't be such a jerk all the time, but maybe just some of the time, right? Let's just try to whittle it down, you know, fewer and further between all of the incidents and episodes and meltdowns, and, and then maybe eventually, you know, after you're dead and gone, you'll be perfect. But he's talking to people that are alive and well and listening to him in real time, and he's imparting the word of God to them, and upon closing imparting the word of God to them, he, he reveals where the bar set. Now the bar is set here that we be perfect. Now a great interpretation or translation of that word perfect is mature. That we be mature just like God's mature. I mean, what he's saying is the word of God is meant to grow you up. To grow you out of the things that are dysfunctional and into the things that are functional. And I love that he would set the bar so high because it really reveals the purpose behind church. Now I'm... I'm making a little bit of a stretch there, but he's saying, hey, listen, guys, the reason why we come together and I'm, I'm preaching the word of God and, and you're receiving the word of God, the reason why we're here celebrating the word of God together is so that we'll grow up, so that we'll leave uh, unfruitful things behind and step into fruitful things. And this is really where he sets the bar. I mean, the word he used was perfection, Right. I'm, I'm calling you to be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, that just as is revealing that standard. It's not the perfection of Domino's Pizza, who on occasion will get an order wrong, but that's okay. He's, he's calling us to the perfection that belongs to our heavenly Father, who's without any spot or blemish. It's a pretty high bar. 
So I have to ask myself when I read this, you know, God, what? <laughs> I, I see that and I get that and I'm excited about that, but I've got to just ask this question, how? How can I possibly clear that bar? I mean, what is it that you would call me to and, 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 and equip me with in order to accomplish this? I want to give you a passage of scripture here that's going to, to lay the foundation for where we're going this morning. I'll give you a passage of scripture out of the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 4. James chapter 1, verse 4. Now, we're going to revisit James chapter 1 before we close, but right now, James chapter 1, verse 4, it, it says this, Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Now, as a married man, the first thing I notice here is that patience is a her. That sounds about right, right? I mean, that, that makes sense to me in my world. Uh, I think that's why, you know, she's called woman. It's like, whoa, man, slow down. Whoa, man, patience. And, and the patience does something here. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect complete and lacking nothing. I see that word perfect again, that same call that Jesus calls me to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And here in James, I see that perfection comes when patience is allowed to work. I want to talk about patience. I feel like patience is being put to the test a lot right now. I mean, I can tell you uh, recent events, and obviously we're, we're going to avoid going way far down political paths, but, but on an election night, I, I think I nearly broke my phone hitting refresh on the browser, wanting to see it update constantly, update constantly, update constantly, all because I, I couldn't be patient and just wait for a result. There was a, a, an anxiety in me, and we're going to talk about anxiety in a moment that revealed an absence of patience. I want to talk about patience. If it takes patience to be perfect, and perfect is the call that we have upon our lives, we need patience. If it takes patience to be mature, and mature is the call that Jesus would call us to, then we need patience. I want to give you a definition of patience. Now, you know the dictionary and how the dictionary can really uh, make you feel really smart or make you feel really dumb? Well, this is one of those you decide, right? You look up the word patience because you want to gain an understanding. So you go and you open up the book and you're ready to receive something that's going to change your life forever. And you look up patience and it says this. The capacity or habit of being patient. Well, thanks for the help, right? Patience means the habit of being patient. Well, I mean, all that really means is, is, you know, swing and a miss, strike one, you need to look up another word. So then you go and you look up the word patient, right, because you, you want to catch it. And, and, and here's where we start to get some traction. I mean, if we need to be patient, if we need to have patience, it's going to require being patient. And by definition, patient means the following. Able to endure delays, problems, or suffering without becoming anxious. And then there was a second definition, and I thought both of these were really incredible. The second one was very close to the, the first one. It's just uh, the, the result at the end was a little different. The capacity to endure delay, trouble, 
or suffering without becoming angry. Those were two definitions that came up when when the, the definition for patient was sought after. Able to endure delays, problems, or suffering without becoming anxious. Able to uh, endure delays, trouble, or suffering without becoming angry. And I thought, you know, when I suffer things like delays or problems or, or just general suffering, I have to ask myself, what is the result? Is the result anxiety or anger? And if anxiety or anger is the result, then what I'm guaranteed by this definition is that there's an absence of patience. And it's patience that's needed in order to be mature. It's patience that's, or, that's needed in order to rise to that, that bar that Jesus sets in our life, that bar that is referred to by translation as perfection, the absence of immaturity. And I think it's really great that, that God would, would call us to patience because patience really is going to be this absence of anger and this absence of anxiety. Remember, if, if being patient means enduring delays, problems, and sufferings without becoming angry, it means we live our life, no matter what the provocation, no matter what we're surrounded by, without anger. Well, it makes sense that God would call us to a life that would be free from anger because anger is really bad business. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the book of James, James 1.20. It says that man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. It means that we can never be operating in anger and accomplishing God's will at the same time. No wonder this bar that Jesus has set in our life is a bar that leaves no room for anger. It's a bar that that is set so high that you're not going to clear it if you're carrying anger. If we're carrying anger, we'll never clear the bar that Jesus has called us to because that anger in and of itself will prevent us from accomplishing God's plans for our life. No wonder we're called to be a people who are patient, a people who can endure delays, a people who can uh, endure problems, a people who can endure suffering without becoming angry. And then there's that other element, anxiety. Remember, uh, by definition, to be patient means able to endure delays or problems or suffering without becoming anxious. I mean, let me just ask this. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed. You don't even have to raise your hands or say anything. But have any of you endured any anxiety recently? I have. I mean, I've caught myself driving in my truck and and, and thoughts are racing through my mind about, you know, marriage and family and, 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 and church and business and all of these things because of the turmoil that exists today. And what I what I realize is that is anxiety at work. And if anxiety is at work, then I'm not being patient. And I need to be patient. I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture concerning anxiety and why anxiety is so bad. Why it's really impossible to be patient and anxious at the same time. Uh, Let me give you a a couple of passages here. Now, I like to read this uh, section because it's so edifying, but there's obviously one element of it that we're going to hang our hat on. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And I like to read all the way through verse 9. It reads like this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I mean, I have to stop there and ask myself, uh, is that conditional at all? Does Does it even care what kind of mood you're in, or what you just heard on the news, 
or what just happened at work. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, if there's a word in there that's powerful, it's the word always. It's, it's, it leaves room for no exception. Our call, our purpose, that, that, that uh, uh, connection between us and God is meant to be celebrated through rejoicing at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things go your way, but when things don't go your way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when things are smooth, but when things are upside down. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then it goes on to say this, let your gentle spirit, not your freaked out spirit, but let your gentle, calm spirit be known to all men that the Lord is near. Then verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Again, a powerful word, nothing. No exceptions. There's never a time where it's like, but, 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 but God... What about this? Be anxious for nothing. I need patience so that I can be anxious for nothing, so that I can endure the delays, the problems, the sufferings without becoming anxious. Be anxious for nothing. I'm reading once again here out of Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. It goes on to say this in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there's any excellence at all in anything, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Focus on these things. Think on these things. Don't let this other stuff win the battle in your mind. And then verse 9 reads like this. The things that you've learned and received and heard and seen from us, those who are called to bring the word of God, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. These are passages of scripture that are really great reminders in days where uh, there's attempts to touch your thoughts. Attempts to touch your thoughts with chaos. Attempts to touch your thoughts with anxiety. Attempts to touch your thoughts by the provoking of anger. But this call on our lives to focus on what's honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good reputation and excellence, what's worthy of praise. In other words, to focus your thoughts on Jesus. Psalm 94 verse 19 speaks of anxiety and it says this, it says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Have you ever had one of those moments? I have. I mean, I, it's, it's a weird feeling, right? It's like your mind wants to throw up. You feel something stirring and twisting and then rising and then here it goes. It's bubbling over. It's multiplying within you. And before you know it, if you're not careful, it's in control. And your thoughts are, 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 are running amok. They're all over the place. When I feel my anxious thoughts multiply within me. I'm so encouraged that that's in the Bible. When I feel my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. And he's speaking to God here. When I feel my mind racing wild, when I feel anxious thoughts multiplying and taking over, God, it's what you say 
that brings delight to my soul. That basically brings me back onto the solid rock that is Jesus. What you say brings delight to my soul. Now, what's really exciting here is the word soul. I mean, you're, you're a triune being based on, on the Scripture's revelation of who you are and who I am. I'm body. You know, God loves your body. He made your body. He's going to raise your body up. I mean, God loves your body. Your spirit. I mean, some of us try real hard to be spiritual, but you can't get more spirit than spirit. I mean, you're a spirit, and, and you have a soul. Uh, your soul exists in, in the realm of your mind. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the, the intellect and, and the emotions and, and a number of things that, that make up who you are. And I never saw this more clearly than, than in the birth of my sons, my, my twin sons, where I became aware that, you know, their bodies are this wonderful work that, that, that God created. It's also a very genetic thing. My DNA, Ashley's DNA, coming together and, and, and making these wonderful children. But then there's something there that, that isn't a DNA thing. That's their soul. I mean, they like different things. They, they dislike certain things. They, they, they have different preferences. They have all these things that make them very unique. And it's really that that isn't genetic, but that is something that God created uniquely and wove together in a wonderful and powerful way. And you have it too. I mean, you're a body, you're a spirit, and you are a soul. And in this passage of Scripture, your soul is spoken of as being able to find delight in the Word of God whenever anxious thoughts begin to try to take over. And it tells me something here. It tells me that anxious thoughts are attempting to distract me from the delight that comes from the Word of God. I mean, these two things are at war with each other. And it's no wonder that right now there's an all-out onslaught on the people of God with anxious thoughts to distract. Now, no matter what, you're always uh, spending your energy, your time. There are commodities that we have, your strength, uh, your brain power, and then, you know, the 24 hours that make up a day. The question is, are you spending it on something that is fruitful or is it just being squandered? And when I sit at the dinner table and all of a sudden anxious thoughts that are multiplying in my mind start to spew out of my mouth, my wife will oftentimes say, you know, we should probably change the subject. And it's a very gracious way of saying, hey, you're wasting your energy. You're, you're, you're just spending your time and your energy on something that, that is not going to be fruitful. Let's spend that time and let's spend that energy on something that is. Let's connect and grow in fellowship. Let's spend it in prayer or intercession. Let's do something that has worth rather than simply see it disappear. So what are these thoughts that God has for us that console us? I mean, if I feel anxious thoughts multiplying within me, and then I begin to play Bible roulette, you know, saying, well, God, your word is supposed to bring delight to my soul, and I opened up and I see, and there was a famine in the land. I mean, it's a risky business, right? So I want to give you like the words that, that we do focus on, that do bring delight to your soul, no matter what you're dealing with ever. I mean, you, you've heard Jesus say things in, in the, the New Testament. The things that Jesus says in the New Testament, he's quoting from, from the Old Testament, from the prophets and, and from the Psalms. Uh, let me give you a passage of scripture out of Isaiah, Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10. He's speaking of, of what's precious to God. Tell me if this doesn't make you feel good no matter what you're dealing with. Even if you were told that the worst news you can possibly imagine, 
Consider this and how powerful it is over any other statement, action, or activity that could ever come your way. Isaiah 41, beginning in the back part of verse 9, reading through 10. God speaking, speaking to you. I have chosen you, and I've not rejected you. Do not fear, for I'm with you. And do not anxiously look around you, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's a bumper sticker for you, right? God's promise to you. And when those anxious thoughts are multiplying, when I'm left wondering, what's this going to mean for, for the church? What's this going to mean for my business? What's this going to mean for my sons? What's this going to mean for my marriage? What's this going to mean for all of these things? You can simply have your mind or your soul be consoled by that concept that God has chosen and not rejected, that he's given us the instruction to not give way or bow down to fear, that he's promised to be near, that he's left no room for anxiety in us because he's our God and he's guaranteed and promised to strengthen, to help, and to uphold by his hand. And the result of this understanding leads to something as it concerns our anxiety. It opens the door for us to be patient, to not be overwhelmed by anxiety, to be able to endure those delays, problems, or sufferings. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he might exalt you at the proper time and cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. His love and his affection for you has made a way for you to take all of the anxiety that would keep you from living a patient life and lay it at the feet of Jesus. All because he loves you. Meaning that it's not a right that we achieve. It's not like a level that we get to. Well, I'm a fourth degree Christian. That means I have no anxiety. No, I'm a blood-bought believer. And I can take all the garbage that is attempting to touch the patience in my life and lead me into anxiety. And I can leave it at the feet of Jesus, knowing that he won't leave. He won't reject. He will uphold by his mighty right hand. And I don't have to be uh, suffering anxiety. I don't, I'm not required to open up the door for anger. I can endure the delays, the problems, and the sufferings, and I can do so in a way that is patient. And I love that, that patience biblically has a source. That helps me, right? I mean, let me just ask you this. If you were sitting here and, and, and I began to preach and it got long and, and then it got even long, why did you laugh? And you got thirsty, and, and it was, there was a, you know, you, you, you were getting a little dry in the throat. Man, it's a little warm in here. They didn't turn on the air this morning. Uh, it, it, you, you would realize that at some point there's relief, you know. I mean, there's a fridge with bottled water. There's a water fountain. You would know where the source is to, to meet that need. Well, I've got news for you. I wasn't born with patience. Have you ever met a newborn baby or, or, or seen an infant that was patient? I mean, have you ever tried to, to, to impart patience to, to a baby or a child? I mean, it, it's not a natural thing for us. 
And that's why I think patience is, is equated to maturity. That's why Jesus is saying, hey, this is the bar that God's raising you to because without being raised up to patience, you ain't got it. It's unnatural for you. Patience has a source, and the source is outside of me. God brings it into me. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture, specifically one, Galatians 5, and 23, where you see the fruit of the Spirit or what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. These are things that the Holy Spirit produces in and through us. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that God put his spirit inside of us so that we could have, so that we could use, so that we could produce. And when I consider that list, I consider that I'm inferior in every way as it concerns these things on my own. And it's the reason why all of these wonderful godly elements have been not just supplemented, but imparted in full into my life by his spirit. You notice he didn't say, you know what, you're a little short on aggression. So I'm going to say the Holy Spirit is aggressive and give you a little bit of that. I'm good on aggression. I've got plenty of it. Probably a little too much. But these things that the Holy Spirit is bringing into my life are all things that God sees that I need imparted to me so they can be in me and through me. And among them is patience. I want to give you a passage of scripture as it concerns the source of patience, Romans 15.5. Romans 15.5 identifies God as the God of patience. I mean, the word of there, I mean, I, I like saying this. You might find it a little odd, but I see of on occasion as a possessive word. Like, you know, this is Preston's Bible, or you could say that's the Bible of Preston or, or whatever. But consider that, that patience belongs to God. He's the God of patience. He's the source for all patience. To pursue patience anywhere outside of God will leave you short. It might get you a day or two. It may get you a year or two. It may get you a decade or two. But eventually it will fail you. God is the God of patience. The passage reads like this in Romans 15.5. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant to you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. I want to break that down really quick because if we just read through it, I think it's just, it's just not written the way we talk. And because it's not written the way we talk, we might miss the point if we're not careful. Now the God of patience and consolation grant to you, that's you, be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. This call here is that we be like God, that it happened through Jesus, it's because of the cross, it's because of the blood of Jesus, it's because of all the wonderful things that Christianity brings into your life, but the call is that you be like God. Now the God of patience grant to you be like-minded. Like-minded toward one another. Be patient with each other and let this be empowered by Jesus in you. Do you see something here in Romans as it concerns what Jesus said in Matthew when he told us, be like God. Now be perfect just like God's perfect. Be perfect just like your heavenly Father is perfect. And now here we are again seeing that we're called to be just like God as it concerns patience. Be like-minded. And let it be revealed in how we treat and behave uh, among each other. 
And patience produces a couple of things that I think are worth noting. Uh, one, patience is key to, to overcoming temptation and sin and capturing the thoughts that can run wild in your mind. I want to give you a passage of scripture out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 21, 19. Now, Luke 21 is talking about something that I think is worth making a note of. It's talking about uh, really terrible times, uh, times of trial and tribulation. Uh, Some would read this and and consider this being a description of, of last days and end times. But it talks about nations being at each other and people being... Uh, in disagreement, and, and I think that if we were to look around us right now, we could say that that kind of describes things. We've got issues among nations, and we have people in disagreement. Therefore, the content of this passage, I think, is very applicable to our current days. So in Luke twenty one nineteen, during this trial, during this hardship, Jesus says something, and I think we ought to, to make a note of it. In fact, it's something that is really uh, powerful in its promise and specific in its uh, execution. He says, In your patience, you will possess ye your souls. Now, I don't say ye, but I pulled this from the King James because I wanted to reference the soul, your mind, your thoughts, how to keep from losing your mind. I mentioned that was the second thing we were going to find. Patience. By being patient, excuse me, you will possess or maintain hold of your own soul, your own mind. Patience. When I start to feel my mind slip and my thoughts run wild and and anxiety begin to win, the need is patience. To hold, to wait, to endure. I want to give you another translation of this. That was from a King James. I want to read this from a New American Standard. Luke 21, 19, in a different translation, it says, By your patience, you will gain your lives. And it should reveal to us the power of patience. That it's a, it's a matter of, of sanity. It's a matter of life or death. It's a matter of prosperity versus dysfunction. We need to celebrate, pursue, and embrace patience. Patience is is the key to being fruitful or productive. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 8, you see Jesus talk about fruitfulness. And the group of people that is fruitful are a group of people who celebrate patience. I'll read the passage of Scripture to you, but I'd like for you to read the the whole thing in context in your own time. In Luke 8.15, he talks about those who are fruitful And he says they are fruitful because they hear the word of God, they keep with it, and it brings forward fruit with patience. With and by are interchangeable there. For the sake of the way I think and the way I communicate, I would substitute the word with with the word by. Those who are fruitful are fruitful because they hear the word of God, they keep the word of God, and it produces fruit by patience. Patience is necessary to receive the promises of God. We can sing about them. We can pray for them. We can hear messages about them. Many ministries have been built and they reach thousands of people by declaring the promises of God. 
but yet very few have ever been instructed in how to obtain or walk in those promises. And we become very deficient, especially in our culture, in the one thing necessary to embrace, receive, and actually walk in those promises, see them fulfilled. What is that missing element? According to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, we're called to be followers and imitate those in the Scripture, men like Abraham and others, who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. I've got news for you. I've heard countless messages on faith in order to inherit the promises of God. But as important as faith is, in this passage of Scripture, you see with equal emphasis, patience. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. If we hang our hat solely on faith, we end up being those who said, I tried that and it didn't work. Patience. We need to emphasize and focus on that necessary element that's so easily overlooked because it positions us to do something outside of our natural comfort zone. We're naturally fussy. Is my wife going to amen that? Yes, she should. I am naturally fussy. Patience. I want to give you a passage of scripture here about uh, what needs to happen with the patience that God brings into our life. I want to offer this to you as a thought. I mean, uh, patience must be worked in order to work. Sounds goofy, but you'll see in the scripture here, patience must be worked in order to work. Romans uh, chapter 5, I want to read verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, that's good news, through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we also have access by faith into the grace that we stand in and we rejoice and we hope in the glory of God. Well, that's just a lot of good news that brings us to this point. Now verse 3. And we're not only excited about this, but we also glory or we're also excited about tribulations. That means problems. We get happy about problems, knowing that problems work patience. If you have a King James Bible there, it's going to say worketh. I'm not a real King James fan. I mean, I know some people that read it and it flows and it's fluid to them. I'm one of those that reads it and it's real choppy to me and it just doesn't work. But I do reference the King James Bible a lot because it's extremely accurate. And the idea that, that problems would worketh or work patience is really important because then we see the result. Problems work patience, and patience brings experience. The actual translation or literal translation there is proven character. I think that's a really good one. I think there's an absence of proven character in our culture today. Why is there an absence of proven character? Because we're not patient. And if we can be patient, proven character will come. And then proven character brings about hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. 
I mean, I'm in a position today where I'm hopeful for our country. I'm hopeful for the church. I'm hopeful for, for our economy. I'm hopeful for my family. Every aspect of my life, I'm hopeful for. The reason why I'm hopeful for that is the proven character that exists in my life. I've been there, done that, seen God deliver before, and I know he'll do it again. The reason why that proven character exists was because I didn't cut and run when it was time to be patient. And that's why I can stand today in hope. But there's an entire culture that's missing hope because they're missing proven character, because they've never known the importance of being patient. And they've only seen their problems as negative. I mentioned before we needed to, to view our problems a certain way. It was the third thing I said we would find, how we need to view our problems. We need to view our problems as possibilities. We need to view the challenges. We need to view the things that, that would open up the door for potential anger or anxiety. We need to see these problems as possibilities. We need to see them as opportunities. I want to give you this passage of Scripture as we see how we need to view our problems. We're going to revisit a passage that we looked at early in the message out of James. James chapter 1, I want to read verses four, uh, 2 through 4. It says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into problems, knowing that it's the working of your faith that works patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect, that you might be complete, that you might be lacking nothing. If you're like me, you've got a whole world of opportunities right now. And if that's the perspective, then there's tremendous opportunity for something great to take place. We have the opportunity to be patient, to not be provoked to anger, to not be led to anxiety, but we can endure those things that are problematic, those things that are delayed, those things that lead to suffering. We can endure those things with patience and have that proven character developed within us. And let that proven character produce the hope that God calls it to produce. And then we can stand as light in the darkness, those who carry and those who impart the hope that this world so desperately needs. It starts with patience. How do I view my problems? How do I view the things that are existing in our nation or in our community or in the world at large that would normally bring delay or, or, or problems or suffering? How do I view those things? Do I see those things as something that is, is un, unbeatable, unstoppable? Or do I let the truth that God will uphold me by his right hand no matter what comes, no matter what the results are, no matter what the message is, God will uphold me. Do I let that lead me to be patient, to cut out anxiety and anger from prevailing in my mind? Do I open up the door to endure hardship, not seeing it as something that is bringing me down, but seeing it as something that is giving me an opportunity to grow, to mature, to be built up, to develop proven character, and then proven character producing hope? And did you catch what hope carries with it in that passage? the ability to never disappoint. If something never disappoints in my world, I think it would be safe to call that thing perfect. And the call on your life is to be perfect. 
just like your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me offer it to you like this. Be mature just like God's mature. Let me offer it to you like this. Don't panic just like God doesn't panic. Be steady just like God's steady. Don't worry just like he's not worried. Be perfect just like God's perfect. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. If you come up here and you play Guns N' Roses Patience, I'm going to be really ticked. <laughs> Did somebody start whistling it? Did somebody do that just now? Look out. I want to pray and I want to ask God to, to do something in our lives. I want it to be effective in our hearts and in our minds. But we need to be patient people. And what's really amazing about the scripture is it's meant to, to guide us, to lead us, to, to edify us, to raise us up. I mean, it really is why we're here. Just like Jesus would preach and then he would say, now this is meant to mature you. Go and be mature. I want that for me and I want it for you. I mean, everything that we hear today is meant to make us better. Even if we've heard it before, it still has the power to make us grow to mature us, to take away things that are not productive and to introduce things that are. And I think that we should come together in prayer, trusting and believing that God can open up a door and a way for us to walk in patience. I want to be a people that when we're described, proven character would be a fitting description. I want to be a person and I want to be a congregation that would be filled with hope that doesn't disappoint, that encourages, even in the midst of, of, of darkness and, and things that are, are problematic, we can stand as a source that would draw people out of the, the anxiety and the anger that would result from those situations and lead them in to the peace and the stability that's in Jesus. I want patience to prevail so that the door will be shut to anger and the door will be shut to anxiety. And wherever I see anxiety in my life, it's going to reveal from now on the absence of patience. Wherever I see anger prevail in my life from now on, it's going to reveal the absence of patience. I now know what I need to pray for. I now know what I need to praise God for. I now know what I need to pursue in order to function and operate in the godly manner of perfection that Jesus calls me to. And I want to pray and I want to ask God to make that a reality in my life and in yours as well. So I want to pray. You're welcome to be in a, a, an attitude of agreement or simply just receive the prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that no matter what the circumstance or, or situation we find ourselves in, by your Holy Spirit, you've equipped us with patience. You've equipped us with everything that we need to close the door to anger and to close the door to anxiety. And I'm asking now in Jesus' name for my life and for the lives of those in this congregation for a ministry work to be done by your Spirit. That you would bless us by doing a powerful work in each one of us. Let there be a, an impartation, a willingness to surrender to you and your promises that would make a way for us to function as patient people. 
Let us see and know and trust that you have chosen us, that you've not rejected us. That there's no need to be afraid. That you will come to our defense. That you will deliver by your strong right hand. And let all of the anxiety and the anger that would be produced and exist in our life otherwise, let it bow down to that one single truth. And let there be a comfort in our souls. And I'm asking now in Jesus' name that patience would prevail in my life and in the lives of these in this congregation. Let patience bring about proven character that we would endure trial and hardship in righteousness. And let that proven character bring about hope. Hope that we would stand upon in our own lives and let it spill over onto the lives of those around us. That no matter what we face, that which will never disappoint might prevail and be released in us and through us. And we thank you for this victory. And together we stand in agreement, embracing your call to be a patient people. We bless your name and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.